Would you turn this morning to scripture that we looked at last week? We actually began a new uh, series last week entitled The Spirit-Led Life. Go to John 14, actually uh, Romans 8 first. I was going to tell you John and Romans, but go to Romans 8, then we'll go to John 14. Romans 8 and John 14. We're glad you're with us this morning, especially if this is your first time. We, we do welcome you. And uh, we don't call people visitors. We just call them new friends. Amen. Amen. And our desire is that, and the Lord's desire is that we grow and that we become witnesses for him. And we do all that we're put on this earth to do because life is very brief. Do you know that? You know, I sometimes I like to take my, uh, I got calendar on my computer, and uh, we have stuff we have to schedule and keep up with, and I'm praying about, am I going to go here or not? Am I going to do this or not? And I'm looking at the calendar and thinking. And sometimes you like to go back a ways and look at what God did with you, and, and then sometimes go out several years. And, you know, you get to looking at 2010 and 2020 and 2030 and 2040 and 2050. After a while, you realize, I ain't going to be here then. You, you get to looking far enough out, you realize, well, the Lord, he told us if we'd walk with him, we'd have long life. He didn't say we'd live down here forever in this mortal body. And it's brief. It's short. How many realize this? Your, your life is so brief. It is so short. James said it's like a vapor. It's like a puff. <laughs> you see it. Now you see it. Now you don't. And that's not, a, not something to get down over. It's just something to remind yourself of so that you are redeeming of the time. And you don't waste whole days and weeks and months and years out of your life doing nothing. We ought to be serious about serving God. Amen. Finding out what's our place. What's our job. Amen. And developing it. Because some things take time to develop in. And if you just goof off for 40 years, then you, you may not reach the full potential that you should have reached if you'd have started and been serious about it when you were younger. But at any rate, you can't go back and change the past, but you can see to it that you don't waste another day. Amen. Huh? Amen. So uh, we should be hooked up at the right church and at the right ministry and, and, and doing the right things, having a life that is fruitful. And making a difference. Can you say amen? amen? Are you interested in that at all? Or do you have a desire? This is serious business. Because I, I kid you not. You know it. You'll look up soon and very soon. And your life will be done. And it won't matter how much money you made. It won't matter who knew you. It'll only matter. Did you do what you were created and put on the planet to do? Can you stand before the Lord and hear, well done? That's what you ought to be thinking about. Amen. In uh, Romans, the eighth chapter, Romans chapter eight, we began speaking to you last week about the spirit led life, which is uh, exactly what I was just saying. How do I know I'm in the right place? How do I know the right thing to do? Well, the Lord has not left us without help. He's given us the divine helper, the mighty Holy Spirit, to lead us and to guide us into all truth, to bring to our remembrance everything he said to us, to even show us things to come. There is no way you and I can find our place and run our race and be fruitful and do what we should do without his constant help. And it's just a fact that there are some people that the Holy Spirit helps a lot more than others. It's a fact. And it's not because he plays favorites. It's because some people have learned to look to him and listen to him and respond to him while others just make their plans and go on and do their thing and never even check in. 
I have direction from the Lord. I told you this months ago. The Lord dealt with me actually in the very beginning of the church. I wrote it down. I got it on on, on the file of my computer in red, bold, (laughs) with the dates. He gave me three things to start off this church with. He said, teach the people how to love and how to walk in love. Teach the people how to live by faith. Teach the people how to be led by my spirit. Amen. We've done some work on two of those. If you haven't been with us uh, and you just hooked up, tapes are available. You should probably take advantage of them because, you know, you. how many understand you can't do everything on one Sunday morning? I stay long enough as it is. <laughs> I go plenty long. But you understand on any given time or week or even in a month, we can't cover everything. No. Right? Sorry. Impossible. And so that's, that's why people get in trouble because sometimes even Christians that love God, but their, their commitment is not what it ought to be. They, uh, if they, everything's going pretty good, they don't go to church or just maybe once in a while. They don't read their Bibles. Of course, that's not faith life people. Faith life people. Everybody, everybody at Faith Life Church reads their Bible. Is that right? They read their chapter. And more, but at least they read that chapter every day, Monday through Friday. Amen. Right? So uh, if you hadn't been hooked up with us, get hooked now. Serious Christians read their Bible. No such thing as somebody that's serious about serving God and go months and don't even pick up a Bible. I didn't say they weren't saved. I said they're not serious about serving God. Serious Christians pray. Every day. Did you hear me? No such thing as somebody that's a serious Christian and they go weeks and and months and don't even pray. I didn't say they weren't saved, but they're, you know, they're not a good witness and they're not, you know, they're, they're just more interested in what they want to do than serving God. And serious Christians go to church. You got a lot of folk that believe, well, you know, I can be just as good a Christian as you or anybody else and be at home by myself and watch the preachers on TV and read my Bible. I'm closer to God out in the woods than I am in the church. Well, that's great. Pray to God out in the woods. Cool. Fine. But you can't be a good Christian and ignore the Bible. Right? How can you be a good Christian and ignore the Bible? And the Bible tells you very plainly in Hebrews that we're commanded not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And the Lord has given us ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints. And, And yeah, you should get things from God for yourself. But there's some things you won't get by yourself. You'll only get through other body parts. And so we're not supposed to be islands unto ourselves. We're not supposed to be just isolated. Well, just you and me, Jesus. That's all it takes. Just you and me. Read the Bible. That's not what he said. Did you hear me? You're supposed to be hooked up with other believers. And you're supposed to be ministering to other people. I'll just tell you right now. I know some religions do it. You know, if you're really holy, then you pull away from everybody and you go where nobody is, and you 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 take vows of poverty, and and that is unscriptural. Don't care who hears me say it. It's unscriptural. You never see any of the disciples doing such a thing. You never see Jesus. Why? We are put in the middle of this world to be a light to the world. Amen. You don't take a light and hide it under a bushel. Right? Which is what these folk are doing. And I know some people may not like that, but hey, show me the scriptures. Show me the scriptures in the Bible and I'll get up and publicly repent. I'm not concerned about it. Romans 8, are you there? (laughs) If you're new today and you don't know about me, well, just hold on. If you don't like this message, I trust you will before it's over. But if you don't, come back and give us another shot. Give us another chance. Uh, I had a fellow one time uh, meet me out in the hall after a message. And he said, uh, not here. This is a few years ago. He said, I don't like you. <laughs> I said, really? He said, no, I don't like you. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you do. And he was, he was worked up. I said, you don't know me. I said, if you knew me, you'd like me. I think that made him madder yet. 
<laughs> but why should I lose my joy? Amen. 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 Because somebody's got worked up over something. Romans 8, are you there? <laughs> I had another fella. This has happened more than once. Maybe I should think about this. Uh, I was up in uh, New England. And I was teaching on submission. You know, I ought to do that here sometimes, shouldn't I? <laughs> Thank you for those two amens. Uh, and this fellow came up after the service. He said, I got so mad at you in the middle of this service. I thought about this getting up and taking my chair I was sitting on and throwing it at you. I said, really? He said, but I'm okay now. I said, good. That's, I'm glad you're okay now. Because some things were rubbing him the wrong way. But see, you know, if it's just me rubbing you the wrong way, I want to repent and get that fixed. But now if it's the word rubbing you the wrong way, then you need to repent right? and get it fixed. And so that's what we got to decide. Is, is it just me or is, is it the word and is it the Lord? That's what you got to discern. Romans 8. Talking about the spirit-led life. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 16 says, The Spirit itself, or as we went into some detail last week, most of your modern translations say, Himself. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Look at 14 again. The Spirit of God, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Can sons of God expect to be led, guided, directed by the Holy Spirit of God? If you've been reading in the book of Acts, and you know I asked you to do this, uh, look for references to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. This is the Holy Spirit book. It's called the Acts of the Apostles, but that's a name men gave to it. There are Acts of Prophets recorded and Acts of Evangelists and Acts of Christians. There's nothing said about them being fivefold ministry gifts. I like to say it like this. This is the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit Amen. through the church. And what we read about there is supposed to be continuing on today because we're part of the same church, got the same Holy Spirit. And how many in reading this are you, are you seeing and beginning to see how real the Holy Spirit was to them? I mean, just frequently you say, it says the Spirit said this and the Spirit said that and the Spirit directed this and the Spirit forbade this. And the Spirit wouldn't let them do this. Or the Spirit agreed with this. And it seemed good to us and the Holy Ghost. And He obviously was very, very real to them in all of their dealings, all of their decisions. Is He as real to you? That's what you're reading about. Now, if He's not, listen to me now. Don't water down the Bible to fit your experience. Hmm? Believe God to elevate your experience to match the Bible. When it comes to, you know, we believe in being filled with the Spirit, just like Acts 2-4, just like they did. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. We believe in that. We do it. But there was a time I didn't. There was a time I was a Christian. I knew God, thoroughly saved. If I'd have died right then, going straight to be with the Lord. But I hadn't had this experience of being filled to overflowing, power to be a witness, didn't pray in an unknown tongue. Some people say, well, that's not for everybody. It is for everybody. I said, it is for everybody. Every child of God needs, and I use that word advisedly, needs this supernatural ability to pray beyond your mind. Our minds are so limited. And to commune with God. But there was a time when I didn't. And, and I got to looking in the Word. And I'm so glad other people tried to tell me, well, that's all passed away. You know, when the last apostle died, all that ceased. Of course, they didn't show me any scriptures for that. 
But that's their theory. What are they doing? They are watering down the Bible to fit their lack of experience. People do that. Well, you know, healing's passed away. Said who? Well, the age of miracles is past. Says who? Well, see, people, even educated people with multiple degrees, they come up with all these theories and all these positions that basically is watering down the Bible that makes it okay for us today to not have what they had. And, and okay that we don't have experiences like they had. That is not true. Amen. I'm so glad I looked at it and I said, well, I don't have this experience. I don't, I don't know this. I haven't seen this in my life. But if it's here, I ought to have it. Amen. Amen. If it's in the Bible... If they prayed in tongues, I ought to pray in tongues. If they had power, I ought to have power. If they saw healings, we ought to see healings. Amen. So I, you know, basically I'm saying, Lord, elevate my experience to match this book. I'm not going to water down the book to match my lack of experience. And that should be happening all the time as we're reading the scriptures. I don't care if you've been walking with God for 75 years and if you had all kind of amazing things happen in your life, you're going to come across something in this book that you don't see. You haven't had. So what do we do? Lord, <laughs> bring us up to it. Amen. Bring us up to this. This is the standard. This is the vision. Well, the Holy Spirit was real to them and he should be real to us. He directed them. He led them. He guided them. He should be directing us every day. Sons of God. That means, you know, men and women. There are male sons of God and female sons of God. Sons of God can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Once you say it out loud, I am born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and led of the Spirit. I live live a Spirit-led life. life. Amen. Amen. You know, Phyllis and I have been living like this for so many years. It it would be completely foreign for us to try to do something else. I mean, every day when we get up, we're checking our hearts. Which way do we go? Checking. Checking in with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Is this right? Is this not right? Long ago, I decided that I didn't have enough up here. To make my decisions unassisted. Did you hear me? Let me mention something to you. Think about this now. If you were led by the Holy Spirit 100% of the time, you'd never make a bad decision. You'd never lose money on a bad investment. Did you hear me? If you were led by the Spirit all the time. The reason people mess up, the reason people get hooked up with the wrong folks and they, they, they experience loss and experience problems is because they decided to do that apart from him. He's not going to lead you into failure. He's the God of increase. Amen. Now go to John, please, the 14th chapter. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. John 14. Now, in our previous teaching on this, we talked about that the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force, not an it, but rather a person, a divine person. And in this passage, we we see Jesus referring to the Holy Spirit with personal pronouns. If you look them up in the Greek, they are masculine personal pronouns, he, him. His, not referring to an it, but a person. So as we read this again in John 14 and 16, every time you see the word he, him, his, referring to the Holy Spirit, I want you to read it out loud with me. It'll register on you better that way. John 14:16 says, I will pray the Father, and he, that's talking about the Father, shall give you another comforter that he... May abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth. Him him not. Neither knoweth. Him. him, But you know him. him, For he he dwelleth with you. And shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. 
I will come to you. Now, uh, if you skip down to the 26th verse, he continues talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, what? He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is improper and inappropriate to refer to him as it. Now, I know in the King James, you'll see a couple of references that use the word it or itself. But if you're here last Sunday, we talked about this. Look these words up and you'll see that the very same word is other place translated him or his or his self. So it's a matter of King James translation. And if you look in most of your modern translations, they don't have it. They have him. Him. And the reason I'm making such a thing out of this is because, I mean, do you want to be called an it? You walked in the door and we said, there it is. (laughs) Well, did you see John? Yeah, it was over at my house. Last, It's inappropriate, right? To refer to a person as an it because to us it means inanimate object. The chair is an it. The podium is an it. You are not an it. Amen. Right? Yeah. Go to 2 Corinthians, please. And you'll see again why we're putting so much emphasis on this. You don't fellowship with an it. Right? How can you get to know an it? 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13, and the very last verse, last chapter, last verse of 2 Corinthians. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. You know, there are a number of passages and where you see all Uh, Where you you see all three persons of the Godhead. Now I I grew up being taught a oneness position. For you know a large portion of my life. I was taught that there is one God. And that is true. But that that meant that there is only one person. And that God the Father is God the Lord Jesus Christ who is the same person as God, the Holy Spirit. And that's what I was taught. That's what I, you know, believed, didn't know anything else for years. But as I began to to seek the Lord on my own, I saw that could not be. There is one God, but not one person. Did you hear me? And the word God, like for instance in, in the book of Genesis. In fact, just turn back there and look at it real quickly. Y'all mind if we take a little time on this? Genesis, I know this is, uh, this sounds a little bit scholastic, some of this, but it's important what you believe about these things. Genesis, the first chapter, Genesis 1 and 26. Genesis 1, 26, what does it say? And God said, what? Let us us make man in our image. Well, who is us? If Jesus is the Father and Jesus is also the Holy Spirit, what, what is the us? Well, you see, God, the word God here, God said, let us make man in our image. The word God is the word Elohim. Elohim. And it is a uniplural noun. Excuse me for using some of these terms, but a uniplural noun. What is a uniplural noun? Like church. Church is a uniplural noun. How many church, if I say Faith Life Church is a good church, how many churches am I talking about? One church. But does that mean I'm talking about one person? No. If I said, uh, You know, the Vaughn family is a good family. 
Family is a uniplural noun. How many families am I talking about? One family. But am I talking about one person? No. And so you'll see repeatedly things like this. The scripture that we just read. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God. Oftentimes when God is used in the verse with references to the other persons of the Godhead. It's talking about God the Father. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. And you think about Jesus in his life. If Jesus is the Father, then you've got an interesting situation. Who's he praying to? You see what I'm talking about? Who's he praying to if Jesus is the Father? He's praying to himself. And in the garden, when he says, not my will... But you're, well, if he is the Father, how could you say that? You'd have to say, well, Father, I am you and you are me, so your will is my will, so my will be done. <laughs> but he said, not my will, but your must be two separate wills, must be two separate persons. And in the baptism, you remember, when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, And he came up, what happened? The Father spoke. Well, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily shape and form as a dove. So we got, is Jesus descending on himself? And then we got the Father God speak out of heaven, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We got three persons here. Right? One God, yes. One person, no. Now, we could go on. I mean, we could... You know, if it was appropriate. But if you're not sure about this, uh, study this. Don't, don't take my word for it. Study it in the Scripture. I tell you, an excellent place to go read is the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. In fact, can, you got time for one more of these? Go to John 17 then. Read the Gospel of John and it becomes increasingly clear that Jesus is not the Father. And the Father is not Jesus. One God, yes. One person, no. John 17. John 17. Jesus, you understand, is praying. This whole chapter is a record of Jesus' prayer to the Father. And in John 17, 21, notice this. John 17, 21, Jesus prayed to the Father. And of course, who is he praying to himself? If he's the same person, then he'd have to be. How many remember things like this? He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He, he went on to say this. He said, I didn't come from myself. I didn't send myself. But the Father, he sent me. I do always those things that please him. How can they be the same person? And in verse 21, he says that they all may be what? Who? Who's he talking about? He's talking about you and me. That we all may be one. How? As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Is he praying that you and I and all the body of Christ, all the believers in the body, would be one even as, just as, he and the Father are one? Then is he praying that you and I become one person? Huh? Are we going to eventually meld into one great cosmic consciousness? (laughs) And there will be no more Keith and no more Moe and... And no more Rick, no more Dave, and no more Susie and Bob. It's just all one person. No, 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 no. I said no. God made you and I individuals. We'll always be individuals. But can we be one? Yeah, 1 Corinthians What is it? 617. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Have you been joined unto the Lord? Does that mean you are the Lord? You and he are the same person. It's not trick questions. The answer is no. No. No, you're not the Lord. He's not you. 
but you're one. There is a oneness, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one God, not one person. Now, in the scripture that we just read, he said, now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Be with your spirit. Be with you all. Everybody say communion. Of the Holy Spirit. Can you commune with Him? Can you fellowship with Him? Can you get to know Him? Hmm? Absolutely. He is a knowable person. But you're not going to even try to get to know Him if you think He's in it. Huh? You can't fellowship with this chair. This chair is in it. What constitutes, what makes up a person? I'd say these attributes for sure. A person has a mind, right? Has a will, has emotions, has words and actions and reactions. Does the Holy Spirit have all this? Does he have a mind? Does he have a will? Does he have, what, for lack of a better word, emotions? Yep, let me prove it to you. Go to uh, Romans. Go back. I should have told you to hold your place there. But go back to Romans 8. Now, I know I'm I'm laying some foundation here, and I'm giving you a... You you have to understand, I used to teach in a Bible school. So sometimes that comes back on me. (laughs) But uh, I I like knowing that I'm standing on something solid, don't you? Not somebody's theory or opinion about something. I, mean, I want to know, show me the scriptures. Right? Not what you think. And uh, the Holy Spirit, I, I know, you know, I've, I've had people more than once come up to me and say, what about this Holy Ghost business? What is it? And you know right away, they don't know him at all. And, and by the way, people refer to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, is a divine person. He ought to be reverenced, ought to be respected. Amen. And treated as God, for he is. God the Father is God. The Lord Jesus is God. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as is the Lord Jesus, as is the Father. And you can know him. He can be as real to you as touching your hand. He can be as real to you and more so than any human person you've ever known. And he literally knows everything about everything. (laughs) And he's in you 24-7. And so potentially you have access to this knowledge. That's why the Bible said First John 2.20. You have an unction. That word means anointing. What is that anointing? The Holy Spirit. He's in you. He, he is the anointing. The anointing is a person. Do you understand that? Well I got the power. I want the power. <laughs> like this little guy. Didn't you think that was funny? He said you better watch out. I got the power now. <laughs> Well, he does have, but he's going to have to be taught a little bit about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, I, ju- I just want the power. Well, what is the power? The anointing. I want the anointing. Well, what is the anointing? The anointing, the power, is a manifestation of a person. When we're in here worshiping God and we sense his presence, he's real to us. We sense the peace of God. Are we sense the joy of the Lord sweeping over us? We are sensing a person. That's a person. Amen. Amen. Now it's kind of uh, challenging to our thinking because he is not limited to one corporal form. Every time you see us, it's us in the same body. But him, he's a person. But one time he appears as a dove. Didn't say he, he's not a dove. He appeared in the shape and form of a dove. 
He also has appeared as fire. Fire. Talking fire. As a cloud. Numerous manifestations. I think that's one reason why people have been confused. Not, well, how could that be a person? He is a person. How many of Moses talked to the fire? The fire talked back. Right? <laughs> so he could show up in any, any number of manifestations and forms, but the same person. Are you in Romans? A person has a mind and will and emotions. And we're going to see, we're going to get a lot of insight into uh, how he leads and guides us by talking about these things. One thing that will help you in, in our study and in thinking about this is to remind yourself that he is the second comforter. We studied this last week, right? Jesus said, you know, when he told them I'm going away, they were upset. And he said, no, listen, listen. It's better for you, it's expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Comforter won't come. He said, but if I go away, I'm going to send, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send you another Comforter. Another means one of the same kind. So when we're talking about how can we commune and fellowship, what kind of relationship can we have with the Holy Spirit? Here's the type. What kind of relationship did Jesus have with his disciples? Because he was the first comforter. That's the kind of relationship we can have with the Holy Spirit. And he said it's even better. Because he's he's not just with us. He's in us. Amen. So when you're saying, well, what can I do with the Holy Spirit? What can he do with me? Ask yourself the question, did Jesus and his disciples do that? How did they do it? Because we have that available to us and even more. Could they talk to Jesus? Could they ask him a question? Then can you talk to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Can you ask him a question? Now technically you don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. So what's the difference? Talking to him and praying to him. Well, if you talk to me, are you praying to me? No. You see what we're talking about. But can you talk to him? Can you say, Holy Spirit, what's wrong with this transmission? Huh? Holy Spirit, show me what color matches this carpet. He's the best interior decorator in the universe. He's the best tractor mechanic in the universe. Isn't he? Best hairstylist in the universe. He is. He knows everything about everything. And he's inside you right now, today. Have you been taking advantage of his help? Hmm? <laughs> yeah, you're right. But just to be thinking this way is progress. Amen. Because we're being aware of him. Uh, Mo, hand your Bible to Miss Sharon and stand up here just a minute. Let's, let's say Brother Moe is going to represent a Christian. Just stand around and face the crowd. And I'm going to represent the Holy Spirit. Now, Moe's been born again. He's been filled with the Spirit. So I am with him and in him 24-7. But let's just say that Moses just walk around and go about your business. And I'm with him everywhere he goes. And he's, he's got to deal with this. But so he thinks, 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 thinks and tries to figure out how to do it. And he makes a decision. But, you know, it didn't turn out too good. But he goes on and he asks these folks, what do y'all think I ought to do? And what do you think I ought to do? And I'm, I'm like, I know, Mo, I'm over here. I know. But he never looks at me. He never checks with me, and I am a gentleman. I'm not going to push anything off on him. If he doesn't want to know, I'm not going to tell him. If he doesn't ask, what the Bible say? You have not because. And so he goes through his life, and he makes his decision, and he goes and buys a car, and he gets a lemon. (laughs) And the whole time, I knew it was a bad car. I would have told him, but he didn't ask. Huh? Huh? 
Didn't ask. He goes over here and he talks to this relative about this and it goes badly and it blows up in his face. And I would have told him, don't talk to them today about that. But he didn't ask. So I didn't tell him. And he goes through his life and he goes through his life. And all the time I'm over here and I know everything and I'd be glad to tell him. But he's not even checking in. He's got to acknowledge me. Is that right? He's got to acknowledge I am here. And he's got to ask me and listen. Are you with me? This is the first big step. Thank you, Brother Mo. Which he, he doesn't live like that. I just, he's spirit led. Instead of head led, people led, need led, problem led. See, not that. Most people in the world are led by all this stuff. Reason led, circumstance led, feeling led. But we are. Come on, that, that wasn't everybody. We are spirit, Holy Spirit led. You have to check and see. Is he saying something to me? Ask, look, check. I'm going to give you three. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. And it may take us, it may take us months to get all this done. But I'm going to give you three major things we're going to be touching on that will absolutely revolutionize your life. If you, it's not because of something I'm telling you. I'm telling you what the Lord's told us, what the Word tells us, something He's telling you, and help you to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than you've ever been, ever thought you could be. Number one, it's the three R's. R. Or depending on where you're from, Ara. The three R's. The first one is realization. Or, or just say realize. Realize. The second one is reverence. And the third one is respond. To be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to be led all the time, you must realize He's there and how He works and how He leads. You must reverence Him. He is a person, but not just any person. He's a divine person. He is God. He ought to be reverenced and respected appropriately and properly. That's all the time. That's not just at church. Right? That's when you're looking to him and listening to him on a Tuesday afternoon on the job. Should be reverenced and respected. And thirdly, you must respond to him. You must respond. Another way of saying, you must yield to him. But that word's been used a lot and folk don't know, they use it, but they don't know what it means. You must respond to him. It said out loud, realize, Realize. reverence, Reverence. respond. Respond. You get well established in these three areas. And I assure you, you will grow and you'll become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than you ever thought possible. He'll whisper to you and you'll hear it clear like somebody talking through a megaphone. Amen. Amen. He'll deal with you slightly and you'll know that you know it's him. And you do understand, if you and I were led by the Holy Spirit 100% of the time, we'd never make a mistake. Do you realize that? You'd never mess up. You'd never make a bad investment. You'd never cause problems in your family if you were led by the Spirit all the time. Obviously, people are not. But we can sure grow and improve. Now, uh, in Romans 8, are you still there? Romans 8 and 27. A person has a mind. Is that right? And it, an impersonal, inanimate object, does not have a mind. That seat does not have a mind. That piano does not have a mind. That speaker does not have a mind. But a person has a mind. Does the Holy Spirit have a mind? It says so right here. Romans 8, 27. And he, everybody say he. he. He that searches the hearts knows what is the what? The mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Say it out loud again. The mind, mind. The mind, mind. Of, the of the Spirit. Now. 
In Romans 8, 14 said, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 16 said, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now this this huge as to how he leads us. You are a spirit. You have a mind. You live in a body. You're not a mind. A mind is something you have. People who don't know God and don't know the Bible, they, they portray us as mind and body. And sometimes they look on the brain with such reverence and say, look, look what this couple of pounds of flesh, all the amazing things it has produced. It's produced airplanes and rocket ships and submarines. No, no, it has not. No, it's flesh. And it is a marvel. Don't you misunderstand me. But a brain is simply the physical organ that your mind functions through. Brain is not a mind. In fact, if your brain was surgically removed, you wouldn't lose your mind. You'd still be you. You'd still have your mind, all your knowledge, all your memories, everything. You just would not be able to express it through the body to the outward realm. That's why a lot of times people that have had strokes and have had accidents and, and brains been damaged, they didn't lose their mind. They, they know everything. They can't get it out. Can't express it. And when your body dies and the brain decomposes in, in the ground, you're not even going to be there. <laughs> if you're saved, you're going to be in heaven and your mind's going to be with you. I know sometimes in school, studying for certain things, you know, they tell us, you know, we got X amount of brain cells and that we don't use most of them. But sometimes you felt like I've got something in every cell that I'm trying to learn and remember. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, when you're trying to cram and study for exams and all that kind of stuff. And, but that is uh, incorrect. There is no limit to what your mind can learn or understand or know or remember. Your, your mind's not your brain. Your mind is unlimited. We're going to learn with our mind from God throughout eternity. Amen? But you have a mind. I have a mind. Well, what do we do with our mind? We think. We have thoughts. Does the Holy Spirit have thoughts? Does he have a mind? We just got through reading it. He has a mind. But now here's the thing. You know, it talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Well, he's a person. How do I fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Well, how do you fellowship with other persons? How could you and I fellowship? How do you fellowship with your spouse or your friend or your brother? Well, you, you have to be in their presence some way or another, either personally or by phone or you know, some kind of telecommunications or something, you have to be aware of their presence. That's what we just got through talking about. You got to be aware they're there. You're not going to try to talk to them or listen to them if you don't even believe they're there. Got to believe they're there. But then communion literally means sharing. A sharing in common. And so when you and I commune, we share. Having a meal together is a perfect illustration because we sit down at the same table and you and I both eat from what's on the table. So we're eating the same thing, right? You pass the potatoes around and we put some on your plate and we dip some out of the same bowl and we put it on my plate. And so you're eating potatoes and I'm eating potatoes and then we both got potatoes in us, right? Because we shared potatoes. But oftentimes, I mean, it's, it's rare that while we're sharing potatoes, we're also sharing words, right? We're talking about a topic, a subject. And, and see, words, words are, are important, but words mean nothing unless they convey a thought. You might want to write this down, too. 
When it comes to people, this will help you tremendously. When it comes to people, you haven't communicated until someone understands. Let me go over that slowly. (laughs) I said, when it comes to talking to people, you haven't communicated until someone understands. Well, I told them exactly what I wanted. Yeah, but what did they hear? What did they understand? I don't care how clear it was to you. If they didn't understand what you were thinking, you haven't communicated. Yeah, but I told them. Did you? And the more you learn how to be led by the Spirit, you'll know on the inside when people didn't understand what you said. Now see, that's my job, so I know a little something more about that. But I've been exercising at this for decades now. And I I started one-on-one. And I had to learn that just because I told somebody something doesn't mean they got it. And just because I talked for an hour didn't mean they received anything. But the Holy Spirit knows if somebody's understanding, if they're receiving, or if they're not. And if you grow more aware of Him, then you'll know too. I said, you'll know too. And you'll know, I said it the wrong way. Let me say it like this. Let me use this word. Let me use this example. And so there is a limitation on all of our understanding All of our vocabulary, there are limitations. But what if, now you might not, Rick might not like this at all. But what if we could take my mind out of my brain and put it in his brain with his mind? Somebody said it wouldn't fit. I didn't say brain. We're not putting two brains. Minds would fit. The Holy Spirit is in you. Isn't he? You didn't expand when he got in. Now, if you did, it was because of your diet, not because of him. That's why I gained all that weight after I got filled with the Holy Ghost. No. 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 Spirit, two spirits can occupy the same space. I know it's interesting, but it's a fact. And um, if my mind was in Rick's brain with his mind, words would be unnecessary. Huh? Spoken words would be unnecessary. Wrangling and talking for an hour trying to explain something, unnecessary. If I thought it and my thoughts in his mind too, he knows what I thought. He could pick up a thought from my mind faster than the speed of light. I could communicate whole realms of things to him in split seconds. This is the level of communication that's available to you and I by the Holy Spirit inside us. Because he is in our spirit. And his mind has access to our mind. And vice versa. And things can come up from our spirit from his mind and illuminate our mind and us just know things. Are you getting this, friends? Oh, this is wonderful. Just, just, and, and you, well, how did you know? You didn't learn it. You didn't reason it out. You didn't figure it out. How'd you know? You just knew it. It came from Him. I wrote it down like this one time. Let's see if I can find this phrase. The immediate learning or knowing of something without the conscious use of reason instantaneous apprehension. The Bible talks about that there's coming a time real soon until knowledge is going to pass away, right? In the sense that we know it, we're going to live like this as a corporate family in heaven. I guess we'll just be knowing all kinds of things (laughs) all over heaven because We're all linked together with the Father God. And we're not there yet, but we can taste of the powers of the world to come now. We have been given the first fruits or the earnest of our inheritance, which is a measure 
to enjoy right now of the fullness we're going to get later on. 1 John 2.20 says you have an unction. You have an anointing of the Holy One and you know all things. Does that mean you're omniscient? No, you're not. But the omniscient, all-knowing one is inside you. And you can get all kind of things that you can pick up from him. And know it. If. Everybody say if. If you know where to look. If you know how to listen. If you're aware of him. This is not audible speech. That's why I went through all this. You understand, this is not trying to hear an audible voice. Because people get into this. They're trying to see something with their eyes. They're trying to hear audible. Holy Ghost, show me what to do. And they're waiting to hear something audibly. He's a spirit. Right? He's not a mind. He has a mind. But he's a spirit. One reason I know so much about this is because years ago, before I got into the ministry, the Lord began dealing with me, and I didn't know what was going on in my life. This is back before Phyllis and I ever left Mississippi to go to Bible school or any of this. We had only been married a year or two. And uh, I began to feed my spirit on the Word. That's how it started. Did you hear this now? I began to get good tapes and, and good books and begin to feed my spirit. Because if your spirit's not fed, it lies weak and dormant. And you're not aware of your own spirit. And I began to feed. And I began to grow and be aware, more aware of spiritual things. And when I did, the Lord started dealing with me about a call on my life and about a plan for my life. I didn't have a clue that I was supposed to be a preacher. Never would have. If you'd have told me, I'd have laughed at you. I had another plan. I was going to be a fighter. Full contact martial arts. I loved it. I enjoyed it, man. And I'd run every day and practice every day and, and, and go to school, the, the martial arts school, and I would teach. And then I'd spar. Everybody did spar me. I went, and, and, and this was my plan. I'm going to Japan. And I'm going to study with the best that there is. <laughs> what are y'all laughing about? <laughs> and uh, it, this is an interesting side thought. The Lord got a hold of me long in that same time. I'm getting ready. I'm working out of secular employment and where I can spend more and more time on training. I'm getting ready to relocate and, and all that kind of thing. And the Lord got a hold of me. Thank God. Because by this age, I'd be beat up. I'd have some. It, that's a rough sport, man. I mean, you know, even even when you win, it takes you weeks to get over it, you know. So I... uh God got a hold of me. And eventually I saw, no, that's not his plan. And I saw, I'm, I'm supposed to go this direction. And I asked him, I said, well, Lord, I was willing to go to Japan and the Orient and try to find the best of the best in martial arts. I'd already been thinking about the grand, great-grandson of one of the founders of the style, and I was going to go and live there and study under them. And I said, so, Lord, help me out with this. I'm going another direction now, so I'm ready to do this. Hook me up with the right person that knows the most about this and that I can get the most help. In less than a year, I was sitting at the feet of Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin and served and trained under him for 20 years. And no doubt in my mind that a lot of these areas we're talking about, he was one of the best. No, no question about it as far as knowing and understanding you know, when it comes to things about being led by the Spirit, there are few people that have the understanding that the Lord gave him. If you haven't read his book, I highly recommend it to you. It's a little white book with the dove on the front, How to Be Led by the Spirit or Spirit of God. It's in the back, right? Uh, get these things. Feed on them. Read about it. I'm telling you, this, this has helped me tremendously. Because before I read some of these things, I never thought this way, never even looked. But now we're looking. But what was I telling you before I got off into all that? Yeah, I was going to repeat that phrase to you, wasn't it? The immediate learning or knowing of something without the conscious use of reason. Instantaneous apprehension. Turn to 1 John 2 and we'll, we'll close with this, I think. I feel like I just got started. But you're planning on coming back, right? Yeah. 
Okay. First John 2. I've quoted it several times, but, uh, but look at it in closing. First John 2 and 27. He says, but the anointing which you have received of him. This is 1 John 2, 27. The anointing which you have received of him abides or remains, lives, stays in you. Said out loud, I have an anointing in me. I have a divine person in me. He said, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you. Of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. Now that doesn't mean that you should never listen to anybody teach or preach. The Lord also says He gave gifts to the body for this purpose, including teaching and preaching. Well, we must have uh, required it or He wouldn't have given it to us. But here's the thing. We're not just completely dependent on a man or woman to tell us what the Bible means. Right? Or if this is so, we got the teacher. We got the author of the Scripture living inside of us. And even if some teacher or preacher is telling us something, we examine it by this, the written word, and by the author of the book who lives inside us. And he lets us know if it's right or if it's wrong. Amen? He lets us know. He teaches us. Do you have a teacher? Oh, what a teacher we have. The divine teacher. And it goes on to say, well, excuse me, back up rather, back up to the 20th verse. And it says, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Read that out loud with me. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Say it again. You have an unction of the Holy One, and you know all It didn't say you heard voices. didn't say you had feelings. It said what? You know. Can you know without hearing anything? Yeah. yeah if some, somebody's mind is inside you. Yeah. Right? You have an unction and anointing of the Holy One. And you know. No. No. You know. All things. I was talking about that during that period of my life. That I, I, I realized that God's dealing with me. He wants me to do something. I didn't know what it was. And in my immaturity, I would pray. And if I said it once, I must have said it scores of times. Well, Lord, talk to me. What do you want? Talk to, tell me. But then I'm trying to see something with my eyes. I'm trying to hear something with my ears. And see, the more carnal you are, that's the, the more you gravitate to the natural. And, and I mean, there are times... I just was so dissatisfied. I mean, I had uh, Phyllis and I are married, had a pretty wife. I had a, one of the better jobs in the area there. I had uh, uh, a fine dog who rode in my pickup, great big old Doberman. And I had a motorcycle that was paid for. I had a 1937 Ford Coupe hot rod paid for. And, uh, you know, had reasons to be happy. But man, I got to the place where I was just so miserable. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to do anything. Why? I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm so glad the Lord didn't just leave me there with my little bitty vision and my little bitty, you know, and, and, and he had something else for me. He had something bigger for me. Oh, glory to God. But see, and I had to hear him first. I had to hear one of the first things he got across to me. He dealt with us to go to camp meeting in Tulsa. Once we got out there, he dealt with us to take the uh, tour of the school. We just thought we're going to see the school. Once we got on the campus, the Holy Ghost got on us. You're supposed to come here. We thought, you got to be kidding. You got to be. We'd never left. Mississippi, some of my friends at the, the store, I, I managed this little uh, small shopping center. And some, you know, had the old potbelly stove in part of it. We kept it when we built the new building. And, and the older guys would sit around and chew tobacco and talk. And one of them went to Memphis, 
which is, you know, just across the state line in Mississippi up north. And he came back, and all the fellows want to know, what about that trip to Memphis? What a, he said, oh, fellas, he said, I never was so glad to get back in the United States. <laughs> That's got mentality. Really, really country. Really, really local. Everybody, you know, born, raised, and lived, died right there in a 20-mile radius. And, uh, but God had something else. He had a bigger vision. He had a bigger plan. But I kept trying to hear him. You know, Lord, talk to me. And then listen. I'm out in the woods sometimes one o'clock in the morning. God, couldn't sleep. God, talk to me. What do you want? Tell me. I can hear crickets. Frogs. But see, I'm natural. And I'm trying to hear something natural, not realizing he's a spirit. He's in my spirit. I don't have to hear audible words to get direction. When it says as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Is he talking about all the Christians hearing audible voices all the time? No, no, no. But we've got to learn to listen, don't we? And thank God finally I did. Hadn't learned at all. Don't mean to, oh, I don't think I've learned a quarter of it. But... Learn where to look and how to listen and how to pay attention. And if you will, you'll grow to the point where you can be led in the small things of life, little things. You know, you're shopping and the Lord will deal with you. No, just don't go to that store right now. Go to this one over here. Uh, no, don't buy that right now. You're all ready to buy it. No, don't buy it now. No, just go home. And you find out tomorrow it went on sale. He knows everything. He knows about all the sales. Boy, I got some of them hooked up with him right there. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> you mean he'll help me shop? Yeah. Yeah. He'll help you. <laughs> Glory to God. Say it out loud. I have a helper. I have the greatest help in all the world. He lives in me. He guides me. He teaches me. He directs me day and night. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.